Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30. And, of course, it's time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, we have to welcome back into the studio Evan Golke. Good morning, Evan. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, listeners. What a wet it was. Wet a morning it was out our way. Mm. It was belting. It was, it was wet I, in Eltham, too, when I it? left. Yes, yeah, so, and then you get into town and it's dry. Yes. <laughs> Totally dry. You go through the East Link Tunnel and oh, then yeah. it comes out and it stops. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That was Chloe. We must say a very good morning to Chloe Foster. Morning, Chloe. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. I'm so excited at the moment because the Rare and Botanic Fair at the Gardens is on this weekend and I was there yesterday, so there was so much cool stuff. Right. It was it was very exciting. So yeah, I'm all I'm all excited about plants. So this is at the City Botanic Garden or Yes, the, the Melbourne Gardens, yeah. yeah. So they had it last year and it went really well and do it again this year and there's um they've done it they do it in conjunction with the diggers club so they had a stall there with some really cool things caracara orange which i really wanted to buy it's a beautiful fruit um and a a whole heap of other smaller nurse you know sort of smaller boutique nurseries that Mm. are growing you know sort of cool stuff that you can't get in the big hardware stores Mm. so you know it's really good to support those smaller businesses as Mm. well now, there's also going to be lots of talks. There's going to be activities for children. Yes. Yes, so yes. it's all happening. It is happening, yep. yes. Yeah, very busy weekend for the Botanic Gardens. Absolutely. Yes, Virginia, who's, uh, who's putting the uh, working the phones for us this morning, is heading out there as soon as we've finished here. But um, it is running from 10 o'clock through to 4 o'clock today. So yep. um, if you didn't get out there yesterday, yes. definitely yep. parking in Birdwood Avenue. There and is, it's I, right I by the parking, observatory gate. I got gate. parking oh. in Birdwood Avenue yesterday. Right. I got there early and I had to get there early at yes. 10 o'clock because I'm yep. in the Cranbourne Friends stall and there there was parking available. So yep. if you're lucky, if you get there early, there's there was heaps there. Yep. Mm. Excellent. Yes. Okay. So well worth going to. Definitely, yeah. And come and see the Cranbourne Friends as well. We've got a stall and there's some little plants for sale too. So there's lots of plants for sale everywhere. There was some beautiful clematis. I just love them like the obviously exotic hybrid varieties with the huge flowers they're just beautiful so yeah they're they're actually pretty easy to grow as well yeah um alameda is that whose whose stand it is it might be alameda a grower in berwick and uh they um they grow a lot of those clematis and uh, i know i've i've put a few in over the years Mm. um and they're surprisingly easy to grow, and you just get these massive mm. flowers that all of a sudden pop out. Like you don't really see the plant, yeah. Mm. And yeah. then all of a sudden, there's these dinner plate flowers that yes. pop up. Yes, um, looks really, really good and I've, easy to grow. Yeah, I've seen it growing in a garden in Buxton, which you know is on the just on the other side of the Great Divide, a couple of hours from Melbourne. Mm. Super, super hot in summer, and they've got it in a in a protected spot but it's on the edge of their veranda so it does it'll get like the morning to midday sun mm. and it was flourishing mm-hmm. like you wouldn't think that it'd grow somewhere as you know hot as as buxton mm. uh, but yeah and cold in winter too mm. there mm. so yeah, i think provided plants. you keep their roots cool yeah that's the main that's thing the trick yeah yes. yeah yeah but i think they do look a bit scary because they have just such big flowers mm. and that's and, right you know but they're, they're actually very very easy to grow yeah yeah, uh, great plants, the Clematis group. Yep. Yeah. And, of course, the, uh, we should uh, tell listeners that all the money's raised today out at the plant fair all go back to the gardens. So That's right. So very well worthwhile supporting. Yeah, it is. Yep. It is. Brilliant. Okay. 
Uh, we, I might as well uh, continue with community announcements, seeing as we've made a start on them already. Um, just a reminder to listeners that uh, our good friends uh, David and Meryl Johnson out at Country Farm Perennials have got uh, Open Garden and Nursery still running. They uh, opened on the 14th of October and they're running right through until Wednesday the 8th of November, every day, 10am through until 4 o'clock. Uh, now you can bring a picnic and have that in uh, in the gardens or they will have food for sale as well. They're a specialist grower of hardy and unusual plants. Now their address is 96 Langs Road, L-A-I-N-G-S, Langs Road in Nayuk and uh, it's about a one and a half hour drive from Melbourne City Centre via the Monash and Prince's Freeway. So uh Melway's map reference there is X928B5. Uh, so that's Country Farm Perennials if you're interested in uh, heading out there and spending the day out there. Uh, a reminder too that um, to, there are two gardens open again today for Open Gardens Victoria. These are um, a bit of a distance from Melbourne, but if you happen to be in the areas... Uh, the first garden is open at 808 Lees Road in Venus Bay and the second garden, which is uh, reasonably close by, is at 105 Mathers Road in Fish Creek. So they're both open today, 10am through until 4.30. Now also on today, um, Mooney Valley City Council are running a workshop in fact, they're running two workshops. The first one is today and it's being held at Strathmore Heights Kindergarten, which is at 148 Mascoma Road, uh, sorry, Mascoma Street in Strathmore. And um, this is a, a workshop looking at uh, veggies, what to plant, how to keep gardens going um, and uh, the most inexpensive and delicious ways to preserve your harvest. Then the second uh, workshop coming up, is all about edible gardening for children uh, and this will be part of a celebration of Children's Week and this is happening next Tuesday the 24th of October 10am to 12 noon and this will be at Coronet Park which is at 31 Coronet Street in Flemington. Now to register for these, I don't know if it's too late to register for today's one but you could certainly try, you have to go to the Mooney Valley City Council uh, website which is mvcc.vic.gov.au forward slash enviro events. So that's all one word, enviro events. So I'll just repeat that address, mvcc.vic.gov.au forward slash enviro events to register for either of those workshops. Now, uh, of course, starting tomorrow... Uh, is uh, Aussie uh, Backyard Bird Count. Now, uh, you have to register for this, and uh, the best way of doing that is to download the app, uh, which uh, means that then you can you can uh, actually... Uh, it will take you through how to do the actual um, bird count. So you can download the app uh, from either an App Store or Google Play, or else you can go to um, two particular websites, uh, birdsinbackyards.net or um, birdlife.org.au, and both of those websites will also direct you to it all. 
And the idea is it doesn't have to be in your own backyard that you actually count the birds. It can be in a local park, in botanic gardens, in schoolyards or down at the beach even. Uh, but it's all happening, as I say, from 23rd to the 29th. Now, in conjunction with that, Chloe... You've got a special day next Sunday and I might pass you the info over. <laughs> it's the Everything About Australian Birds Workshop. So from 7.30 um, there'll be the opportunity, which is quite early. Our workshops usually start at 10am. So from 7.30am um, people will be able to participate in What Bird Is That presentation conducted by the BirdLife Australia's Mornington Peninsula branch and that'll be in the Cranburn bushland followed by a yummy, yummy breakfast provided by the friends. So it's all included in the price. Right. And then uh, 10 a.m. will be morning tea. So you go from breakfast to morning tea, which is always a good thing. (laughs) Um, And then about 10.30, we'll have some presentations um, from a myriad of people. I will list... I'll list some of them. Pat McWhirter, who's quite um, active in in sort of the bird world locally. Um, We'll talk about the evolutionary and social history in connecting birds, animals, nature and people. Um, we'll have we'll hear about the status of the helmeted honey eater, which is Victoria's bird emblem from Bruce Quinn. Um, a, a talk about, which might be a bit more practical, I'm not sure, uh, photographing birds from Kerry Lee Harris and Paul Whittington. And then a couple of the Friends' own members who are, you know, really into birds. Amy Akers will speak about, speak about bird habitat in garden, so how to what to plant and how to attract birds into your garden, and then John Thompson, who often does the really quirky, crafty, um, you know, things that you wouldn't think about with that topic sort of thing um, for a lot of our workshops, is going to speak about Australian birds in the arts and crafts. Okay, so that'll be a full day, and it should finish up about three or four o'clock. Right. So prices. Yes. It's a little bit confusing because we have the breakfast in the morning session as well. Um, and now that's an an added option, isn't it? It's an added option. So you can just come to the presentations at ten o'clock, and that's sixty dollars for members, seventy five dollars for non members, and thirty dollars for students. But if you want to come to the breakfast and the bird walkabout in the morning at seven thirty. That's $80 for members, $90 for non-members and $40 for students. So that includes the full day? That includes the full day yes. from um, yeah, the, the walk walkabout in the bushland in the morning, starts at 7.30 and then the whole workshop afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do people book, Chloe? How do you book? Um, you can go to our the Friends website and you can um, find the booking form there. So the website is rbgfriendscranburn.com au, or you can contact the organiser for the workshop, Amy Akers. Her phone number is 0423 513 281. Excellent. There you go. Okay. So Everyone should come. It's going to be awesome. That's all happening next Sunday. <laughs> yep. Yep, absolutely. And, and what a full day. Goodness yeah, it's me. going to be a really full day. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, just a few more I should mention. Uh, firstly, down at... Um, Geelong Botanic Gardens coming up next Tuesday is a big play day. Um, Now, this is a free community event. It will offer families and children the opportunity to enjoy a range of interactive activities and entertainment. Um, It's going to include things like face painting, drumming, cardboard, cubbyland, recycled play, music, storytelling, and all sorts of other things. So it's an opportunity to have a major 
free play day, particularly for families down at Geelong Botanic Gardens next Tuesday. It's running from 10am through until 1pm. Now, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, Simon Rickard has been holding a series of three botanic workshops. Um, He's already held the first one. Workshop number two is coming up um, on October the 26th. And in this one, he's going to be talking about um, about uh, tree peonies. So uh, <clears throat> it will be a unique uh, opportunity to see Simon Rickard's private collection of tree peonies during peak bloom. And uh, then uh, enjoy, uh, <clears throat> after that, there'll be um, lunch. And then Simon will give a presentation on the fascinating history of the tree peony from its humble beginnings as a medicinal plant to its elevation as the coveted king of flowers. So, uh, and also, of course, he'll be sharing his tips for cultivating uh, these plants. So that this workshop number two uh, is coming up on October the 26th, which is next week. Now, the cost for the workshop is $160. Um, the workshops take place at um, Casa Allegra in Trentham and... Uh, it includes not only morning and afternoon workshop session, but a seasonal lunch and a glass of wine. Uh, now, for bookings, you need to go to ticketebo.com.au forward slash Rickard Garden Series. So I'll give that again. The work, the uh, the uh, website to go to ticketebo or one word dot com dot au forward slash Rickard Garden Series, and that's to book for uh, the next workshop coming up on October the 26th. Now, finally, coming up next weekend, we have three gardens opening for Open Gardens Victoria. Uh, The first one is Frog Hill Garden. Now, Frog Hill Garden is actually near the Otway's, um, it's open both Saturday and Sunday. And uh, the address for this one is 270 Bogans Lane at Freshwater Creek. It's open from 10 till 4.30 on both days. Um, cost is $8 entry, children under 18 free, students $5. Now, refreshments will be provided by Birigara CWA. There'll be sales of drought-tolerant plants by Cottage Farm Perennial Nursery, There'll be demonstrations and talks by Kylie Treble, who's a book author specialising in practical ways to grow and prepare sustainable food. So that's the first garden, that's Frog Hill Garden, as I say, which is down at 270 Bogans Lane in Freshwater Creek. The second garden uh, is a bit closer to home. This is in Lilydale. This is Orvieto. It's a hillside garden. Um, <coughs> It's uh, richly textured with diverse range of contrasting foliage plants. Um, It has uh, some immense mature cedars and spruce. And entry to the garden is made through an archway of Roman cypresses, birches and flowering apples. Just to give you a bit of an idea of the garden, you'll have panoramic views extending from the north face of Mount Dandenong right through to Lilydale Lake. Now... uh, Proceeds from this garden will be opening, uh, will support Australian Red Cross. And uh, the address of this one is 37A Summit Road in Lilydale. 
Uh, now, this one is only open next Sunday, uh, 10 through to 4.30 p.m. $8 entry again, children under 18 free, students $5, and they'll also have Devonshire teas there. And the third garden, again, is only open next Sunday. Uh, now, this one is in Wonga Park. It's called The Elms. This is a well-established garden. It's evolved over the past 35 years. It stretches across 10 acres. Uh, now, uh, Jim Fogarty, landscape designer, uh, created uh, some of the more formal elements of the garden. Uh, then, uh, more recently, uh, landscape designer Philip Johnson created the lake, which is the garden's focal point. Um, there's going to be lots of... This is a native garden... Uh, predominantly lots of native grasses and plants such as xantharia, flannel flowers, Western Australian paper daisies and Geraldton wax. And uh, as I say, there's also close to the house, there's um, an extensive rose garden, and a meditation garden and uh, the sound of flowing water from a water feature in the rainforest garden. So an amazing garden. And as well as all of that, there's going to be a jazz band and a coffee van there uh, for that one. So, again, a reminder that this is only open next Sunday. The address is 38 Dudley Road in Wonga Park. Again, 10 till 4.30 on the Sunday. Entry, $8, children under 18 free, and students, $5. Now, we do have one free double pass to each of these gardens. Uh, so the first uh, three people who like to phone in um, can uh, get a free double pass. You'll uh, have to stipulate which one you want because we only have one double pass to each garden. So uh, if you'd like to call in now on 94190155, that's 94190155, and Virginia will um, take down uh, your details for these free uh, double passes. So just a reminder, the first one is Frog Hill in Freshwater Creek. The second one is Orvieto, which is out in Lilydale. And the third one is the Elms, which is in Wonga Park. Okay, it's high time uh, once we've done that, that we will open our lines for talk back very shortly. But uh, in the meantime, tell us what's been happening down at Cranbourne. Oh, lots of things. Um, I think the most exciting thing recently is the Hort team went on a trip to the Grampians recently. So the Cranbourne Gardens Hort team, we're going to, a few of us are just going to go away for a little holiday, a little break in the Grampians for the weekend, but it turned into an entire collecting trip. Right. <laughs> it was the most fun weekend I've ever had. We were just, you know, like plant nerds running around in the Grampians, which holds a third of Victoria's flora. Um and we had we had collecting permits, so it was all legal. So we were collecting material for the Australian Garden to grow and, you know, to put into the AG. And we were also, part of our permit was to collect um, voucher specimens to send to the herbarium. So okay. we had backpacks and eskies full of, full of material. Um, we went to, we did the Victoria Range in the southern Grampians. We went up to the top of Mount Abrupt where there's a, you know, a really uh, small growing eucalypt up there that only grows at the top of Mount Abrupt. We went to Mount William and then we went up to the northern Grampians, which is just a whole other world compared to the southern Grampians. 
and it was just so fun, so exciting. And then for the next two weeks, it's only just starting to calm down. I've been processing material and seeds. That's the hard bit. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of us, it was sort of the first time we'd done a a collecting trip like that. And um, I think next time we'll know to sort of try to keep a steadier head on ourselves (laughs) so we we don't make too much work for ourselves later on. But it was so worth it. And we collected, as I said, we we got a eucalyptus um, vernicata from the top of Mount Abrupt and then at the top of Mount William, there's a snow gum that grows up there. So the, the subs- eucalyptus porciflora, which is the snow gum that, you know, grows in the Victorian Alps in the east. But there's this subspecies called parvifructa that grows only at the top of Mount William. And there's, you know, I don't know, maybe 10 plants or something. So Gosh. The seed is apparently a little bit tricky to germinate, but I'm hoping that it's at the end of winter now and they had a, a cold snap only a few weeks before we were there. So hopefully might be able to get some seed growing of that. And there was one thing from the top of Mount William that I wanted to collect and there's a, it's called the rosy bush pea. It's a Pultanea, subalpina it's called. It, it is endemic to Mount William summit. And the whole walk up there, I was just, I was looking for it. And I know I've, <laughs> I've collected it from there before and I've seen it there. I haven't seen it in flower because it flowers in November, December. Right. And the whole time up there I was looking for it. It's a funny sort of inconspicuous plant. You wouldn't, you know, you kind of wouldn't go, oh, that's really pretty if it wasn't in flower. And it wasn't in flower, so I sort of knew what to look for. Couldn't find it. Everyone was looking for it. Right. We had some herbarium records with some locations. Couldn't find it. Last week in the glass house... A tray of cuttings of this in, insignificant Pultanea sp, we'd called it, um, had pink rosy flowers on it. So oh. <laughs> we'd collected it without even realising. And I heavens. think, you know, we call ourselves botanists and plant nerds. <laughs> it's a little bit embarrassing, I think. Um, so I think we collected it underneath the, um, the, the, the snow gums at the top of Mount William. So... I'm hoping though those cuttings should take. They haven't died yet, so okay. So the cuttings have flowered. Yeah, the cuttings have flowered because it's about the, put on good heavens. Yet. Not yet. It's about you know, which I'm a bit worried about. If they're flowering, then they may not be putting roots on. So it's about that time of year for them to start flowering. So should so you take the flowers off? I've, I've been picking the flowers off. Right. It has killed me because <laughs> it's a beautiful color. It's a it's really vibrant, and oh, I didn't didn't want to pick them off, but yeah. sort of had to. But we got um, over seventy taxa. Wow. So over 70 species in a couple of different forms of, you know, Grevillea dimorpha and, and a couple of other things and some other little rarities that, you know, that are endemic to the Grampians as well. So, you know, we want to grow them for the Australian Garden. Um, we're working through a whole heap of curatorial management plans for each garden precinct of the garden. So looking at it from every angle, not just horticulture, um, but how um, how the public programs use it, how, you know, how kids, how everyone uses the garden okay. from science, you know, horticulture to people, visitors, etc. So things, yeah, there's things are going to be changing in, you know, in, in the years to come with what the Australian garden looks like. And most of our Grampians plants, especially the endemic ones that we collected will hopefully um, go into the box garden, which, um, which will be, a representation of Grampian's flora. Okay. So that's, oh, wonderful. that's where that one yeah. is, is taking. So yeah. 
Hopefully, hopefully mm. everything grows. The pressure's on me now to grow it all. <laughs> <laughs> so there was fires there, what, five, six years ago? Or, or is it, it longer ago more than that? More recent, actually. More recent, okay. And then they had the very, very heavy rain. Yeah. Well, did, did anyone who'd been up there before sort of comment on, on any changes or... You know, had it, there was, had it made it better? Had it made it worse? When we're in um, no in the Victoria Range, which is in the western, on the western side of the southern Grampians, there was, um, would have been hectares and hectares of acacia myrtifolia, which mm. comes up after fire, mm. as, you know, wattles come up after fire. And that was just en masse. Um, so I think that was the most recently burnt area. I mean, there, they were maybe, f- you know, five foot high, these plants, mm. so... You know, a few years old, I'd say maybe three or four years old since fire. Um, but yeah, there was there were some areas that hadn't been burnt that still had a fair bit of diversity. Um, but so that'll yeah. be interesting to watch that area where all the um, murder foliage <clears throat> are. Yeah, to to see that over the coming years as to how the other things then sort of take over. Yes. And, and they sort of die out. So yeah, it's quite an interesting process. Yeah, it is. It's 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 fascinating. You know the you know epicormic growth on the eucalypts that were above them, that you know had blackened trunks, and it was quite a dramatic scene. Mm, mm. <laughs> but then, yeah, areas that hadn't been burnt for a while still had. You know, there was a lot of diversity around that weren't dominated by one species. Um, yeah, there was just there was so much to see, mm. and there were a lot of pultaneas in flower. In the um, what do they call it? It's a pea, a bush pea or something, I think they're called. So um, I think there were some of them around, the, the acacia murtifolia as well, which pop up after fire too. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, we were up at a farm in King Valley, which is like an organic farm just recently, <laughs> and they own sort of right over the top of the sort of very basalt, rocky sort of mountainside as well. And we went for a walk up there, and that was clearly at some point cleared you know farming land at some point it was just full of acacias mm, really yeah um very close together um i think they put goats up in there and that's about it but that um that land since they've owned it so i don't know maybe 15 years or so has just sort of been left to go back to what it was right and the acacias and, have come up yeah yeah so there well i think there were fires through there too oh, wasn't okay. king valley yeah. fires yeah, yeah. went through there um but it was fascinating. I mean, there just wasn't much room between them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it must have – well, I spoke to the lady about it and she said when it all came up, it was just a carpet. Wow. They were yeah. so close together. It was yeah. just this wonderful vivid green mm. and uh, just a carpet of, of them. But because there was not much else there uh, in the way of larger eucalypts because it must have been cleared. Yeah. Um, it's just nearly a monoculture. Oh, wow. Through there. Actually, the the acacia myrtifolia that we saw looked almost as impressive as all the canola. No, more impressive, more impressive. more Than all of the canola fields that we saw. It was because the canola is just flowering at the moment. It's just it's yellow and it is beautiful it? to see, it but is. it is a monoculture. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. But, the yeah, the acacia myrtifolia flowering was like a yellow monoculture and that was really cool. Yeah. Right, so they yeah. were all out as well. So they were out. Yeah, yep. well, I'll that, show you a photo. Later. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. If you'd like to give us a call, we will open our uh, talkback lines now. Uh, that number, 94190155. 
In the studio this morning, we have Evan Golke from Oka Landscape. I got it right. <laughs> oh, well done, you. Yay, I've it's been only taken same. 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have Chloe Foster. So if you want to talk anything about uh, Australian native plants, Chloe is the person to uh, have a chat to. But uh, that number, 94190155. We're running through until 9.15, our usual time slot. So we'd love to hear from you. I've just had a, an announcement come in from the outside lines. Uh, next Saturday, the 28th, Preston Garden Club show um, is going to be taking place uh, at Preston Town Hall. That's on the corner of Gower Street and High Street there in Preston. Running from 2pm through to 6pm. Free entry for that one. If you'd like more information, 94780269. That's 94780269. So 2 till 6 next Saturday at Preston Town Hall. Evan, you brought in some plants. Let's have a chat about what you brought in. I did. Well, the first thing I brought in was um, this fantastic gum nut, which um, looks a bit like a um, flowering gum or a, a physifolia gum yep. nut. However, it has sort of wings mm. around it um, and it's quite a bit bigger. So we recently went on a trip up through um, – uh, we, we went up through um, the Broken Hill and then virtually straight north. Okay. So we just kept going um, up as far as we could. We got up to Lawn Hill National Park. Well, it's not called that anymore. I've forgotten the proper name for it now. But up to there, then on the Savannah Way right. across to the East Coast. Okay. And through that Savannah Way, I hadn't been on the Savannah Way before, and it is a fantastic road. And it is Savannah. You know, you go through the, you know, fantastic tall grasses and uh, and wonderful eucalypts. And one of the eucalypts was, was this one. Now, I, I just picked up a brochure somewhere in one of the – um, campgrounds, and it was called a um, northern bloodwood. Okay. Now, I don't know what the actual species of it is, mm. but it was just the most magnificent tree. Mm. Most uh, Huge trees, um, really dark bark, um, and these magnificent, massive nuts that were just um, hanging hanging off the trees They're everywhere. great, aren't they? Yeah, they really are an incredible they'd feature. Be, they'd be fantastic for people doing craft work. Mm, mm. Illustrators would love that. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. So... Um, yeah, so it was just a it was just a fabulous um, fabulous drive up there. We also went through the you know the Gibber Plains and uh, and the Channel Country and all the sort of Mitchell Grass okay. areas, which I think some people probably think oh, it's really boring. You know, you're just driving through grassland, 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 but it's it isn't. It's if you look closely, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it's really nice. And we when we got to the east coast, we sort of went there to visit some friends and did some stuff around Tully, as you do. Um, and we thought, well, where are we going to go now? Do we go south or do we go back west? And <laughs> we went back west <laughs> because it was, you know, we didn't want to see traffic lights. We didn't want to see cold supermarkets. Yeah. You know? yeah. And uh, and so we went back west again and went through Winton and, and, and so on, which I hadn't been to Winton for 25 years or so. And that, that's really um, – yeah, it, it's changed. The, the the dinosaur stampede footprints and so on. Um, it's all far more professional now, <laughs> right? Um, and they have you know really good displays of uh, fossils, yeah. and you can and you can buy fossils because they're, they're sort of digging them up around that area and and, and selling them. 
like a, a real fossil. A real fossil. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So they, we, they must have stacks. They've of them just if got heaps them. and heaps wow. and heaps of them. Yeah. Goodness um, mate. And on display, they actually had fossilized ginkgo. Wow. Um, which was interesting. Yeah. I think ginkgo, ginkgo is just such an interesting tree. It has been everywhere, man. Yeah, it has. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it in fossils um, in the US. Okay. Yeah, and you see. It must have absolutely dominated the landscape it at must some have. point. Yeah. And absolutely. It has the foliage all over the world. And it's so distinctive because the foliage is that, what do we call it, a half fanned, you know, mm. palmet, I think yes. they mm. might, mm. might call it. Mm. It's just. A beautiful tree. Yeah, yeah. So that was really great to yeah. see see fossilized ginkgo um, there. But they, and yeah, they just say my son actually bought a fantastic bit of fossilized timber. Okay, it's like a, a little tree trunk. Right. It's like the size of a football. Yeah. Um, and the lady that actually collected it and found it was there, and uh, she, and she was really into fossilized timber. Okay. Uh, and it just does look like a piece of. Piece of timber, yeah. even though it weighs you know five kilos, yeah. <laughs> and you had to cut that all the way home. Yeah, we had to cut it all the way home. Yeah, but but um, but it, it is fascinating because we have seen. Um, I mean, you do see fossilized wood. Uh, you can see some in the Flinders Ranges. There's some there's some tree trunks there at Arkarula that that are just in sort of near the campground area. But we've also seen them uh, in Yellowstone, oh, where right. you can actually see full on trunks. Yes, right. just coming out of the ground. Um, and uh, there's one there that has unfortunately been pilfered over the years. Like apparently a lot happened in the 1920s, but it has a girth of about maybe a metre and a half. Good Whoa. heavens. So we're talking you know, seriously that big yeah. fossilised tree Incredible. trunks. Incredible, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's another area which you have to hike to, um, which they're not quite as big, but there's like a little hillside of them. So there's about six or seven of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a pretty steep walk, and you've got to wait for the um, bison to walk past before you sort of. <laughs> that was kind of interesting. <laughs> if we were coming down the hill, we could see all these bison coming along the valley where we oh, had wow. to go across. We thought, oh, okay, do we wait here or do we run? It <laughs> <laughs> so, might yeah. be lunch for the bison yeah, if you that's run. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, there's so much to see in Australia. Right. And, uh, you know, the Gibber Plains with the Mitchell grass yeah. uh, is just such a, a beautiful scene, especially, you know, you get that low sun mm. coming off that very black stone. Mm. It's very shiny black stone. Mm. Um, Were there lots of beautiful. little pretties, little lots of little flowers within the grasslands? No, the that there you was saw? essentially nothing really. Okay. Yeah, there wasn't much at all. Um, but that didn't detract from it at all no. yeah. in that it was... Um, because it's just such, it's the vast landscape yeah. you're looking at sort of um, in, in that area. Mm. But what was great too is, you know, you go through water holes and so on, there's pelicans. You know? Yes, <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and plenty of whistling kites. Mm. You know, they have that very distinctive call. Yes. Um, do, you want, do you want to do it? Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my daughter was ha- uh, lucky enough, she was sitting by one of these water holes and actually saw one come down, pluck a fish. Wow. And then fly off with okay. it. Okay, oh, cool. So, um, you know, that was that, – because that's what they were doing along yep. the Cooper Creek as well yep. uh, where we stayed. Cooper, Cooper Creek was fantastic. I don't know if you've, you've camped along I there. Haven't. But uh, obviously the history of Burke and Wills is oh, kind, yes. of, kind of bizarre, really, when you're camping there and thinking, well, they were marching up and down in here wondering what the hell they were going to do. Um, but just the ancient um, red gums 
mm. on on the Cooper Creek, mm. and and the the bird life is extraordinary. Mm. There's just so many birds. Is, um, the, is the creek running all year round, or is it sort of ephemeral? Yeah, it's ephemeral. So, um, which is apparently why it was called a creek, because really it's a river. I mean, it's massive. Oh, okay. It's um, it, where we were camped. It would have been uh, maybe. 100 metres across, 150 metres across. Like, it's really? a big river. That's yes, right. Yeah, it's a big river. Apparently um, it was named a creek because it is ephemeral. So yes. you yeah. know, it does dry out to area. Uh, the area that we were camped on, we actually walked and found the end mm. uh, where it had sort of dried up to. Okay. But in the other direction it was many kilometres. So I don't know where it was. It, yep. was. it was a very long way away. Okay. Um, but also when we were sitting by the creek, you could see little noses coming up. Right, and uh, then when we took a walk um, around to, and found sort of found the end, we found turtle shells. Ah, oh wow! And massive, they're about um, as I, like I said before, AFL footy size. Yeah, right. <laughs> big, big shells, um, quite chewed up. Okay, the, the two we found. So whether or not um, they came up onto land and dingoes got them or whatever. Mm. Um, or, or, yeah, I'm not sure what, what had happened to them or if maybe a bird had got them and, and sort of yeah. pulled them apart. Mm. But huge. I wow. had no idea that they were in there. And then, then of course, that if you sit long enough, you can see up. them. Yeah, that's what oh, was poking out was yeah. their little heads. Yeah, right. And then the more you sit there and just quietly you know, wait, you see them. Okay. And they pop their little head up and they have a little look and then off they go back down. They're able to breathe, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then head back down. But it's also green along the... Along the riverbank, so there's there's all these wonderful reeds that grow along there, and all the little birds that get in amongst it. Mm. It's just a hive of of activity. Fantastic! It's a fabulous place, yeah. uh, the Cooper Creek. Yeah. Um, and and so remind me where Cooper Creek is again. Uh, in Aminka. Queensland. No, oh. no. Um, uh, is it in? Oh, gee, no, test me. Is it in South <laughs> Australia or is it in New South Wales? Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, must be in New South Wales. So real outback, yeah, in that corner. Yeah, yeah, it's near corner country, so yeah. where the three states meet. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's right near Inaminka. So Inaminka is yep. the place, and so Birdsville is to the to the west. Yes, um, a few hours drive, not quite a few hours drive, depending on which way you go. We took a quite quite a small track, got lost <laughs> as you do. <laughs> as yeah. you do. Uh, but we got rain when we were when we were on the Cooper Creek, which wow. was which was quite bizarre. Yes. We got um, apparently half an inch, I think they said. Uh, so we were stuck there anyway. Yeah, right. there was no going anywhere. Mm. Yeah. So that was really interesting to see too, because of what the soil goes like. Um, it literally becomes soap. So oh, really? we, you walk out of the tent, and whoa! <laughs> you, <laughs> you, it's very hard to walk on, so let alone drive on. Right. So all roads were closed yeah. out of yep. Inaminka, and there's a few. So um, I think there was eventually the main road opened up going out to the to the east, and so that's the way we had to go in the yeah. end. But it was fascinating the mm. way... The that way. would be amazing to yeah. see rain in the outback. Yeah, it yeah. was. And then on we so we spent a few weeks up north and then came back. And because it had rained, um, we didn't see these wetlands that we wanted to see okay. sort of north of Inaminka. Um, and so we went back. Yep. And, of course, there was already this little sheen of green shoots. Really? Because we camped in the same spot. Okay. And it had changed. Oh, fantastic. In a, in a few weeks yes. it had changed. 
Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I imagine it would have then another month it would have all been flowering. Yep. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so they, they really just wait for that rain. Yep. Do they – that's not – it's not far north enough to have the wet and dry seasons over, up there, is it? It'd just be uh, no. sporadic rain whenever they get it. Yeah, I think it's sort of more or less winter rain. Yeah. yeah. But they don't get much rain. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, very, very little. Um, so it's I mean, really exciting that you got to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm a it is. jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an experience in that yeah. it does show you how – treacherous it becomes mm. and, and why the roads get destroyed if people drive on them, mm. um, which, you know, does happen. Yeah. Uh, we heard about one fellow who um, kept driving, must have been on his way to Inaminka and um, just thought, oh, I'll just keep going. He had to stop every half an hour or something and clean all the mud out from under his wheel arches because just, just the car would just stop. <gasps> yeah. Because it's just that sticky and that fine, right. so silty. Mm. Yep. Yeah, so it's uh, fascinating. Um, Goodness, and and it, it's interesting to see the 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 trees. So there's, you know, um, the bohemias that are have a leaf, I suppose, a little bit like a, a ginkgo, but more just a heart shape. Mm. Um, the bohemias there, and then we saw the same sort of bohemias in northern Queensland, um, and the difference in size <laughs> was extraordinary. Even though they seem to be the same species, um, the difference in size was. Well, they were three times the size. Yes, in North Queensland, Queensland ones get rain because they get rain. Yeah, yeah, and and down there, although they were beautiful looking trees, um, they were a third the size. Yep. I think the other fascinating thing was the coolabars. You know, the coolabar trees that are along the rivers, mm. and the coolabar trees that are where um, uh, Burke and Wills died. You know, and, and and where where they had their camp and that sort of thing. And you look at those trees and they're not they're not massive girths. I mean they're big, but they're not enormous. So you think, well that tree has been there. That tree was there already mm. two hundred years ago, mm. hundred and fifty years ago. Um and it would have already been an old tree then. Yeah. Because they carved into it. Yeah, that's mm. right. So it was already an old tree. So, you know, maybe it's four hundred, maybe it's five hundred. But the fact was that they're not they're not huge. Yeah. So they're just obviously incredibly slow growing. But they have because these of the wonderful lack of water, they just they well, they're right be. on the creek, yeah. so you'd think there'd be plenty of water. But if it's not there all the time. No, I suppose that's right. But they, the wonderful way their branches come out very horizontal. Yeah. So they're not like a red gum mm. that, that sort of go up. They, I mean, these go up, but they, they're a bit more sporadic. Okay. And they come out and they can have very long horizontal branches, which right. is why they're such a great shady tree yeah. mm. to sit under. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so all just fascinating country, mm. you know, if, if you're interested in that kind of thing. I mean, we just love the outback because you get out there and there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's no traps of normal life. Yeah. yeah, total escape. Yeah, yeah, and you've just got the stars and the quiet. Yep. Which is Beautiful. an extraordinary thing that mm. you don't get everywhere. So mm. how long did you take to do this trip? Uh, I think we were away... Three and a half or four weeks? Four weeks, I think. Yep. Yeah, four weeks. So we crammed a lot in. We did a lot of kilometres. Yeah. Yep. Um, and a lot of it on dirt. Yep. But um, but great fun. Mm. And to have the contrast, you know, so because we only had one destination, that was Lawn Hill. We didn't know what we were going to do after that. Yeah. So um, when when you go east from Lawn Hill, so Lawn Hill is, um, a, it's a bit like uh, Western Australia in some ways, like Karajini. National Park. It's that sort of very dark, mm. iron-rich stone um, and uh, nice gorge 
um, uh, freshwater crocs. Not that well, we saw one when we were canoeing, but there's not that many there, not compared with Western Australia. But it's that kind of country, so palms, yeah, and so on. Um, and then you head along the Savannah Way, and it gets dry, you know, dry very quickly. Yes, um, and it's dry, 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 dry. And then, of course, you get into the back of Tully, you know, um, Atherton cans. Mm. And it's like driving the Gippsland. (laughs) (laughs) And it happens in minutes. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? It it is something. It's just extraordinary. So these mountains pop out of nowhere out of the plains and and they are just dark, dark green. Mm. Can you see them from really far away? Not really. You kind of sneak up on them a little bit and then bang, you're in them. Yeah. My brother's doing the big loop around Australia this year. Him and his girlfriend have just taken a year off. They bought a troopy land cruiser and they're going clockwise around Australia. And when they hit Atherton, you know, the when they hit the East Coast, the Great Divide or whatever, they said, we haven't seen this much green yes. <laughs> in 12 months. No, no not 12, in like six months. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, they couldn't get over it. And they went to Lawn Hill Gorge as well and yes. just said it was like, I think they said it was like being in Carrigini over. Yeah, it is very much like Carrigini. And it yeah. just, yeah, it's outback Queensland is very dry, and then Lawn Hill Gorge or National Park just sort of pops up out of nowhere. Mm. Yeah, yeah, really. because it's on the um, it, the water's coming up from underground. Yeah, right. Um, and so it's um, and it has a lot of calcium in it as well. Okay. So you get this sort of skim on the water. Yep. Uh, this sort of calcium skim, okay. but it also means that there's no mosquitoes because they can't they can't live in the water. So it's oh great, ve- yeah. So it's actually a really well, interesting that's a, place. That's a big <laughs> reason to go to Lossy. That's a huge plus. They need to put that on all their tourism boards. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, oh, from Lawn Hill too, you can do fossil stuff as well. Yeah. You know, they have a really good uh, you know fossil area out, and there was actually a big group. There from Brisbane um, Museum and and different places uh, from around the world. So there were a few talks on by um, these these fossil collectors, um, and uh, that that was fascinating. You know, just just hearing about what was there, mm. and it's a very very rich fossil area, particularly for megaflora. Okay, um, and I think the only thing they haven't found is is echidnas. I think in that, but they found everything else that was across Australia, right? Including these massive birds that that look like huge cassowaries. I love imagining what Australia would be like if we still had our megafauna, like our our rhinos, and you know, mm. giant can you know there giant, were giant wombats, kangaroos and giant, giant wombats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that would I don't know climb trees and that sort of thing. You should yeah, yeah. and it, giant uh, crocodiles. Yeah, um, and things like. that. But the plants were always there. Yes. yes. And they're still hanging around. They're still here. Yeah, they're still hanging <laughs> yeah. around. You know, they've been reduced down to these tiny spaces. Yeah. But they're still there, as you'd see at Palm Valley in, in Central Australia as well. You know, just these tiny little pockets little of remnants, of, of, remnant yeah. planting, yeah. remnant palms. When Australia was a lot wetter and more humid. Yeah, mm. yeah. But yeah. it really does hang on by its fingernails. Yeah. You know, and you do wonder, you know, will it, will it sort of be there? there forever that's right Um, but things are changing too of course you know with the um, cane toad so cane toads are in there and that's one of the reasons why the numbers of white uh, freshwater crocs have dropped because they haven't learned how to eat them yet oh no Um, you know so it it sort of does have a have a fair effect yeah um but 
there's just there's just it's just great landscape. They have those very white small eucalypts. Yeah. Um, that seem to die back. So they'll have whole branches that die back. And then you know if you cut a branch off a tree and you get it healing over and it'll just heal over slowly, slowly. And it curves. Yeah, and it curves. Well, what these trees do is they they um, they have these sort of dead branches and then the, the wood seemingly crawls up it and yeah. re-coats it, and, which is why they're great for didgeridoos. Right. Because oh. you end up with these hollow, yes. hollow sections. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so the landscape there is, is if you go for walks away from the central bit of Lawn Hill um, National Park or um, – no, it's not called that. What is it? Bujamala? Might be Bujamala. Let's Google it. If you get out and, and walk around those areas, the, the um, landscape is fantastic because you get these very, very white eucalypts and the beautiful spin effects and so on mm. underneath – um, it's it's fascinating country. Mm. Bujumala. Oh, there you were go. close. You were close. <laughs> Bujumala National Park. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a beautiful place. So anyone anyone that um, loves the outback should yep. should sort of get up into these areas. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's just so quiet and, mm. and beautiful. Mm. It's worth the drive. It is worth the drive. Yeah, it's worth the drive. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. If you'd like to join us this morning and uh, add to the discussion or if you'd like to ask a gardening question, the number to call is 94190155. That's 94190155. Chloe, let's have a chat about uh, something you brought in. Yes, so yesterday I was having a wander around the Rare and Botanic Plant Fair just seeing what, you know, little special, little rarities these stalls had. And I didn't – this was probably the last plant that I would have expected to come across. It's the pink flannel flower um, called Actinotus forsythii, which grows in a small pocket somewhere around Sydney. I'm not entirely sure the actual location. Um, so Actinotus helianthii is the, the common white flannel Flan flower flower. that yep. will, you know, put in your garden or self-seed and just, you know, do its own thing and keep coming up. But there's a pink species, which is really exciting. So <laughs> the central part of the flower is pink and then it has the white outer. Okay. Are they are these the petals? It's an asteraceae. Mm. I get confused. Yeah, so that and it's just beautiful and really vibrant. And I've only read about it and also read that it only comes up after fire if the fire comes through at the right time of year. Um, and, you know, it's more of an annual and, you know, it'll die down. You may not get it to come up so it's not really known in cultivation but well it's going behold, to be very hard for the the average home gardener to yes yeah I, there was go for it there was um some information that that came with it as well so um i'll they suggested to put it in a somewhat medium sized pot right and in in a really in a gravelly sandy sort of mix so that you know it's really free draining and the other little tip they had, it let the seeds fall into the pot and then water the pot with smoke water. Okay. So, and then that will hopefully um, activate the germination. So yep. how do you make smoke water? <laughs> well, you can buy it these <laughs> days. You can, you buy, can buy smoke water? You can yes. buy it. Really? <laughs> yes. Like from the health food shop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or you can, maybe I could set the plant on fire at the right time. <laughs> that okay, might be fun. Okay, give that a go. Yeah, put it out on the, you know, in the driveway with nothing else surrounding me. So I'll we'll see what happens. 
Um, but yeah, you can buy smoke water. I know the RBG Gardens shop has it. Mm. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm sorry if they don't. Um, but yeah, it, it is available. It is available. Yep. yep. <clears throat> and why would you happen. use smoke water? Because there is a very tiny, what would seem insignificant compound in smoke that triggers germination in Australian species. So I think it's called like caracanolide or something like that. You know, there's almost a thousand chemical compounds in smoke and Kingsley Dixon and a, and a whole group of people in WA 20 or so years ago um, managed to isolate this one compound um, and have, have managed to yeah work out that, if you know, transfer it into smoke water. I don't, I don't know how they do that. But, yeah, so hopefully. So it's not the heat. <laughs> It's not the heat. No, not the no heat. it's not the heat. No, it's not the heat. <laughs> yeah. Um, the heat cracks, you know, helps in, in banks years, will obviously help to, um, to crack open the, open the seeds the pods, yeah. and the seed pods. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it's a chemical compound in the smoke and it's only this, it's only one chemical that does it yeah. out of all the, out of all of the compounds in smoke. I, I think it's absolutely fascinating. Mm. I think the work that Kingsley Dixon <clears throat> did was just incredible. Yeah, mm. yeah, yes. yeah, and he's still doing some really cool work. Yes. Um, he spoke at the Cranbourne Friends Kangaroo Paw Symposium last year and I, I could have listened to him all day. It was mm. really <laughs> exciting. You know, yeah. from a distance... It looks like parsley. Yes, let's describe what the plant looks like. It and does parsley look like is parsley. Correct. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I think it gets a little bit more grey and hairy as it ages, as we all do. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just realised what I said. Anyway. <laughs> So yeah, it'll it's it looks like parsley at the moment. It looks a little bit carrot like too. Yes. Um, but it's not in the Asteraceae family. But, it's in yeah. the Asteraceae family. So yeah. how um, fascinating. We'll see what it does. It it's it's in a you know a larger forestry tube, and I paid twenty dollars for it. And um, Angus Stewart was at the the Cranbourne Friends stall. Uh, after I bought it. And I was like, Angus, look what I bought. I'm so excited. And I said, did I get ripped off? I paid $20 for this forestry tube. And he goes, no, actually, that that's that's pretty cool. I don't think you got ripped off. So I was a little, I was relieved. Yeah. Um, but it is an annual, so I paid $20 for an annual. Right. Um, well done. Oh, I don't care. I really, oh, God, I hope well, it flowers. It's no different to buying a bunch of flowers, though, is it? That's you know, true. No, you, know, exactly. you can spend 30 bucks on a bunch yeah, of flowers exactly. and, and, and it only lasts three weeks. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Thanks tea, for making tea. me feel better. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'll uh, stay tuned. I might put a couple of photos on my Instagram and we'll see what happens. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just a reminder, that number, if you'd like to join us, 94190155. We'd love to hear from you. We are running through until 9.15, so plenty of time to jump on the phone line and have a chat to Evan Golke or Chloe Foster. Um, as I said, we'd love to hear from you, 94190155. Okay, Evan, back to you, another mm. plant. Actually, first of all, I better apologise to my family because I burnt toast this morning before I came in and uh, set the smoke alarm off oh so you've woken everybody <laughs> so i'm sure you're all awake good morning they better be listening <laughs> <laughs> um look yeah i grabbed a few plants this morning and uh, most of them are sort of um 
for dry shade or dry shade, which mm-hmm. I know is always a bit of a hassle. It's always tricky in, in people's I love gardens. That, dry, that grow in dry shade. Yeah. It's really exciting. Yeah. So um, one of the ones is um, epimedium. I've got a couple of epimediums. Um, it's a it's a ground covering um, rhizomatous plant, so it grows a bit like you you know if, if you're familiar with kaikuyu, you know the way it sort of sends sort of just very shallow runners and then pops up again. So that's yep. what rhizomatous is, um, and it grows this way, and then the stalks come up and the leaves sort of sit in a in a very flat line at about maybe two hundred mils that sort of height. Okay. And they have very um, beautiful sort of large, um, I guess, heart-shaped leaves mm. um, in, in little groups. And as I say, they sit, they sit very flat on the, on the landscape. Um, this one is called Sulfurium. And it has a – it actually – the flower looks like a tiny daffodil. Mm-hmm. So you know, a daffodil might, will have a sort of different central colour mm. to the outer petals. So this is what these are like, and they come up on on little vertical spikes. Um, oh, they're tiny, and they're, and they're very dainty. So I guess they're a little bit like lily of the valley. Yes, people are familiar yes. with lily of yep. the valley. They're about that size. Um, and these are sort of a bicolour flower, you know, just like a um, uh, a daffodil is. Um, it does really well in dry shade. Um, mm. Not, I mean, it wouldn't want to be. It probably wouldn't do it under a eucalypt or something like that. Mm, under no, super, super okay. dry shade. Yep. Um, but where I have it, it doesn't get watered. It gets a reasonable amount of sun um, at, at some times a year, and none at others. Another area I have it, it virtually gets no direct sun mm. um, and grows very, very well as well. But it's really nice because it's so dainty. I can really see, nice why, I can see why you've had the, the analogy of the daffodil because mm. it almost has like a central trumpet. It does, yeah. It's, it's, it's like amazing. A, yeah. a raceme of yeah. mini daffodils. Really mm. beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So it's a really lovely flower to put into a tiny vase oh, in yes. the house as yeah. well because it lasts quite a while. Mm. Um and uh, and so it's deciduous. Okay. Um, so in the winter, it gets a little bit of autumn colour. It sort of goes a little bit uh, bronzy. Um, I'm a bit lazy. I don't tend to cut off the old leaves. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you're a tidy gardener, you would, um, once it's all sort of died back, you'd just go over it with the hedge clippers because they're very f- fine little stems. Just cut them off, leave them on the ground. And then it comes up really, really fast. So it's completely covered now. Mm. Um, and it's flowering already. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. flowers very early. Yeah. Uh, nearly flowers. It just flowers as the leaves are coming. Right. So they sit a little bit proud, um, which is nice Which as is well. lovely. Yeah. 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 But it's a really good plant because weeds have a hard time getting through it as well. So you don't get a lot of germination under it. Okay. Uh, so it's a really good ground cover that really does cover the ground. <laughs> yep. Um and some of them, as they sort of, some of the epimediums, like they, they can form a pretty big woody root mass. So they're easily divided. So it's one of those great plants that you can spread around. You just mm-hmm. need a mattock or something like that. Yeah. You just basically hack into it. Okay. And, uh, and lift it up and, and plant it some, somewhere else. So mm. a really, really useful plant. Mm. Um, it, it's a, it's, I guess it would be a woodlandy sort of plant. It's, yes. It, it would wear, that's where it would grow naturally. And it would brighten up a darker spot too because yeah. the leaves are quite – they're a light bright green. Mm, and, mm. yeah, and the flowers are a beautiful little interesting pale yellow. You'd sort mm. of look at it and go from far away because they're so small. Mm. You'd, you'd have to walk up to have a look at yeah, it. That's yeah, that's right. So this one is Epimedium <clears throat> sulfurium. Um, 
but but there's a myriad of epi mediums mm. out there. Some some tougher than others. Mm. Um, so I've got a couple in my garden, um, but I like this one the best. It seems mm. to be the best performer and not outrageously big. Some of them get taller. And I just think probably dominate a little bit too much, but this one seems to seems to do it just nicely. Mm, great. Um, and I've got it next to um, Ruscus. Mm. Okay. Uh, so did I bring any Ruscus in? Yep. Yes. Ruscus is what I call, um, you know, an, <coughs> an old grandma plant. <laughs> yes. um, it is. Because it's the sort of plant that if I go to a um, – if I go to an old garden in Hawthorne or somewhere like that and the last surviving plants <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the garden, yeah. probably under the eaves yes, where they're getting yes, no rain, yes. yep. will be ruscus. Yes. Yep. Um, it's, it's also a, a little bit rhizomatous. It, it, it spreads by going oh, right. under the ground and that. coming up. It, it stands about um, 600 mil high, two feet. Some, somewhere around about that, um, and it's just green. It doesn't do much no, else. No, <laughs> it just—it's just green. Yes, but it's a wonderful filler, and for incredibly, it, it grows. I think probably like clivias, it grows in the driest shade you can imagine, mm. um, and it might be slow, mm. but it will do it and mm. it won't die. And yeah, um, as we said, it's a survivor. Yeah, yeah. It's a survivor, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And it's got these, I can't remember the name of them. Is no, I don't know. Flowering parts it's, or is it just a modified I, part of the leaf? No, I think it is a flowering part yeah. uh, which comes up in the middle of the leaf with if it's bang. a leaf. With smack <laughs> bang, yeah. yeah. Quite weird, isn't it? Yeah, really yeah. Weird. So it's like a little rhino horn yes. in, the, in the middle of the leaf. But it's a wonderful just simple leaf, so mm. I guess it's a little bit like a very small um, – a gum leaf or something like that. So it's a very simple leaf. Yep. Mm. Um, it's again, it's a nice lightish green. It's not super dark. Yes. Um, and and if you plant a few of them, it will just fill up and look like one large shrub. Mm. Um, there's a couple of ruscus. There's hypoglossum or ruscifolia. They're incredibly similar. Um, so I wouldn't be bothered if you're out and you're looking for a ruscus, which one you would buy. Um, but again, for, for dry shade where you may be struggling to get something to grow or mm. anything to grow, if you put this in, give it a bit of water in the first year and then forget about it, mm. it will just trundle away. And you won't see it grow much until it can really start um, suckering out. Okay. And then it will so- slowly sort of move its way out, move its way out and fill the space. Yep. Excellent. Uh, but I've grown it in some extraordinary spaces mm-hmm. where it has succeeded but yep. it does take a while you do have to be patient yeah but in any hard growing conditions you have to be patient absolutely mm. yeah okay let's go to a couple of callers and let me see first up we have uh sue in uh, mount evelyn good morning sue good morning um hi chloe and hi evan wonderful show i must say hi sue and i'd I'd love to add too that um if anyone's interested in in the epimediums when i went to fernie creek had their rare plant sale um i think it's twice a year in they actually sell plants inside and there's a gentleman there i'm not sure uh what nursery he comes from and he has a wonderful uh selection of epimediums for sale there um, I've been using them in my garden too, and they're absolutely fantastic. Mm. Yes, yeah. actually, isn't it the chap that comes in here sometimes? He's near Cloud Hill. Oh, um, Jeremy! Oh no! Um... No, no, I'm not sure who he is. Okay, 
Yeah, uh, not, not Craig the Wilson. You're Craig of. Wilson, I'm thinking. No, of, yes. no, 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 not Craig. Yes, yeah. I don't know this gentleman, and mm. um, absolutely magnificent epimediums and uh, mm. philictrums, which are also right. really good value. Yes. Yeah. Look, I'm ringing up because um, I had the pleasure of going to visit or veto the um, garden that's on the open garden scheme. It's in Summit Road in Lilydale. Next okay. Sunday, yes. Um, one of the girls that I work with um, actually has done some work for him over the years. All right. Um, his name's John Finlay, and he's actually a member of the uh, Royal Botanical Gardens, and he's in the plant sale. <laughs> he said, "You can't come visit me on the weekend because I'm going to the rare plant sale there." Okay. But he actually purchased. It's on an acre on a very <laughs> steep hill that you wouldn't even dare drive up the driveway. I had enough trouble walking up the <laughs> the paths there. Okay. But um, purchased a property in 1987 and he's progressively bought all the properties around him to acquire an acre. Right, wow. okay. Fantastic. So um, I'll give you a bit of a spiel um, that he's written on the Open Garden Scheme. So... Um, Actually, it's probably better I just tell you what it is. So you're actually, he's got collections of um, uh, pinus, uh, magnolias, crab apples, um, cedars, um, but beautifully displayed like he's got uh, uh, sections of prostrate beaches that I've never seen before. Okay. And then opposite, he's got sort of his... um, uh, upright ones. He's acquired a lot of his plants. Craig at Gentiana's actually helped him source a lot of his um, collections and he's also got some um, plants from Stephen as well. Mm-hmm. But just beautiful. He's got a beautiful gunnera, eupatoriums, um, Judas tree, Edna Wallen crab apples, just absolutely beautiful. So when you actually um, go to the open garden, he's got a beautiful brochure that he's, he's put out with the, all the uh, names of all the trees on it. So right. you can find out. He's actually listed over 120 um, collective trees that he's got, Gosh. and that doesn't include the whole garden. Yes. In so, an acre, in one so, acre. On one acre. Wow. That's very planted. One of the pines, and I can't... <laughs> he's showing me all these trees, and I said... I don't know anything about trees. He's looking at me like this is like I know that they're special trees, but uh, yeah, unfortunately. Um, but one of them was a magnificent pinus, and he was telling me that Craig told him not to plant it in his garden because it had got too big. And in twelve years, I could not believe the size of this beautiful oh, um, plant. Just beautiful. But I'll read you about it. it says entry to the garden is through Roman cypresses, birches and flowering apples up the steep main drive where a woodland path leads off to the left through uh, birches underplanted with rhododendrons into an open alpine garden. Um, He has prostrate herbs and creepers, dwarf conifers um, all the way through there. And then underneath the um, beautiful pine, Pinus patula, he's got a a bust of... um, David, and beautiful Lebanese um, cedars. Um, Passing on the right, a screen of Japanese larch, magnolias and American Chinese dogwoods. Um, Then you go up another little pathway and he has vitus. Oh, that's the bagola, the vitus, the, um, what do you call that? Glory vine, maybe? Vitus cognito? Yes, yes, yep, yep. 
through a screen of magnolias into the new Northwest Garden. Then he's got collections of um, lilacs, spireas, deutzias and dwarf conifers, olives, citrus. It's just absolutely um, beautiful, well worth seeing. And when you get up to the top, the view is absolutely spectacular. So he's uh, made additions to the house and all of the rooms and you'll be very tempted to go inside. And he said, because all the rooms actually open up with glass doors that come onto this veranda. Right. And inside, I was very tempted. You just want to go inside and read all these books. So he's got collections of books and everything. It's very inviting. Fantastic. So, so you can actually sit up there and have um, afternoon tea. He's um, ordered, I think, 300 scones are being done and um, people <laughs> from the Red Cross are helping him with that. Right. Wow. So all the money that he's um, raising for this is actually going to the Red Cross. And yes. he has got um, some plants for sale. I saw he had some, is it horse chestnuts? Yes. People have donated plants and things okay. like that there. Really worthwhile going to, but put your walking shoes on. Yep, it sounds like it. Yeah. Um, one hint, if there's anybody local, I found the best entry to that road. Summit Road is quite confusing, is to come off the Queen's Road um, entrance and you'll have to find, like, parking. It's quite a narrow street, but mm -hmm. they have, like, little areas of greenery. You can sort of pull your car in there. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, Really lovely, and I wanted to tell Chloe too, I was very excited at Plant Multi, and Chloe will probably know this plant. They've brought out, um, under Gardening with Angus now, Wallenbergia Blue Mist. Is that um, the double flowering one? Yeah. Oh, it's so amazing. It is, <laughs> and it's, um, it. it's like a royal blue. Yep. Um, I got it at Karanga a couple of years ago, but it got lost in my overplanted garden <laughs> so it is now living in a pot but if anybody oh, is out there um and sees it i got it at plant multi but uh faces are doing it so it should be it might even be at bunnings it is a worthwhile plant to have but it's it's just absolutely beautiful yeah, it's really easy to look after too it'll, yeah. it'll die down it'll come back up again and put yeah. out some beautiful bright blue little blue belly flowers double, yeah and it's double it's just great yeah, with your prop too, um, uh, Chloe, I was going to tell you, I've had a bit of a discovery at work. You know how you can get the, the Yates um, little gardening lids? You know, you can put over your trays oh, yes. to grow your seedlings. Yes, yes. If you're trying to grow plants that are really hard, like I've been trying to grow some hard-to-grow Australian natives, if you actually leave the hormones off and you put one of those lids on, it diffuses the light, and in the soft tips of the plants, there's the hormone IAA, mm -hmm. but it, it gets affected by the light. And when you put the screen on, the condensation fogs up the screen, yeah. and it is amazing, the results. So yeah. you're not knocking out any of the stem um, with the hormone. So no hormone. And do you put it into the glass house? Into the glass house, but leave the hormones off. Right. Otherwise, it's actually too much, and... Uh, I was just saying to Ian, I have, we've got an order for, and I know this is easy to grow, the, the um, lithrum, but I picked it on Sunday and they had roots on yesterday, oh my which is really amazing. And it's, um, it makes its own little environment, but I think it's from diffusing the light and having that condensation because wow. a lot of the hormones are responsible for knocking the plants out. 
Yeah, they is can, what I've they, found. They can so burn them sometimes. I was yeah. just thinking about your poltonayas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to talk. We got you and I and and Virginia are going to this garden next week. Okay. Yep, we're all going. <laughs> oh, lovely. I, th- I think every, I don't know whether the listeners know, Sue is is on the panel every now and then and she's the head propagator at Bushland Flora Nursery. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, okay, Sue. well, I'll look forward to seeing you then. Yeah, yeah, we'll see you then. Thank okay, you. then. Thanks, Thank you. Sue. Bye. Bye. And for listeners, I should repeat that the garden Sue was talking about is the one I mentioned earlier. It's called Orvieto. Uh, the address is 37A Summit Road in Lilydale, and it is opening to the public next Sunday, 10 a.m. through to 4:30 p.m. Pam, can I just interrupt for a sure. second? Um, when I was talking about the pink flannel flower, we had a caller just um, who didn't want to go on air. He lives in Preston, and he bought the pink flannel flower from the from the gardens yesterday. Okay, um, he just wanted to know where to buy smoke water around here, and I've just done a quick Google. Because um, that's where you get all your information from now. Uh, George, it might be best for you to try um, Vink Nursery. So oh, it's yes. Victorian Indigenous Nurseries Cooperative and they are in Yarrabend Park in Fairfield. Um, I think they have a little shop and it looks like that they have smoke water. And if not, um, go down and talk to them because they will probably know more where about where you some. can get it from or where you can do it yourself. Mm. Um, like if you want to have a play around, you might be able to do it yourself. It's not super hard. Mm. Okay, yeah. excellent. All right, let's go to our next call and we have uh, Sonia who's in Broadmeadows. Good morning, Sonia. Uh, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Go ahead. Right. Um, just a quick one. Main, well, I have grapes uh, and the person that pruned them for me instructed me to spray when they were three centimetres high, I didn't. Uh, and I went out today and now, of course, it's they're considerably started in growth. Um, w- what do I do? And, and do I spray it? And I bought a fungicide. And what do I do? What did he tell you to spray it with? Uh, I understood it to be a fungicide. And I went to Bunnings and the only fungicide I could get was a, a general one for roses, grapes and geraniums and... Uh, but it's past, uh, they've already grown the, um, you know, the new growth. So it's what am not I something I, would can, I wouldn't worry about spraying No, no I wouldn't do. Grapes um, might get a little bit of powdery mildew, but, yeah, but you but can yes. just pick it off or yeah. spray it with milk. Yeah, ah. just, just change the pH on the leaf, that's, that's the idea, isn't yes. it? Yes. Um, so full cream milk, one part in ten parts of water. Yep. Is it one part to ten of water for milk? Yes. Mm. Okay. But oh, well, that's only if you do get. That's only yeah. if you mildew. actually get it, and then yeah. you just pour that over the foliage. Right. Spray it over. Yeah. yeah. So I just just let grapes grow. Yes. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd leave grow. well alone, to be quite honest. Pro- probably the. Th- I mean, obviously, if any plant is stressed, it's going to be more likely to get something. So, uh, you know, perhaps if it's um, growing in a lot of shade, yeah, that that would be something that might encourage powdery mildew. Mm. Um, if you have a very, very humid summer, yeah, that I can see, do it. Um, yeah. You know, not a lot of airflow. But as a general rule, a lot of these things come on the plants very late mm. in the season anyway. Mm. Yeah. So it's not so it's – like, it's like cherry slug. Mm. You know, I don't really worry about it. I used to, but, you know, you throw – Ash all over your tree, and then it looks like you're, you look like a ghost at the end of it because the wind blows the wrong way. And, yes. You know, or you try talcum powder or all, all these things. And at the end of the day, you know, you get shot holes through the leaves 
but yeah. it's so toward the end of the season mm. that it really it's not too bad and the birds eat them uh, i've noticed anyway so okay. you know it's just how much they can You're consume providing food for your birds by not yeah. killing the yeah. caterpillars yeah the so place. there's pros and Pros and cons to spraying and doing yeah. those sorts of things because you obviously knock out other things as well. That's right. So yeah. um, yep. I think it's the case of keeping plants healthy, keeping them in the, the best environment you can. So with a grape, lots of sun, mm. lots yeah. of airflow, mm. um, and and you should be okay. Yes, all right. That's the way I've always treated it. It's just that he pruned it this time and gave me the instructions. Mm. Uh, so anyway, look, thank you very much. The other small quick one... I can't grow nasturtiums. What, what, how do I grow? What do nasturtiums need to, to flower growth? Oh, so, I thought you could grow them in concrete. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been told this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when, when they grow, I put them in pots. They're, they're very small. Their leaves are not the normal size. Mm. Uh, if I put it in a pot, can you? do I just put them in with a normal uh, potting mix and grow? And if I put it in the garden, I just put them in and hope. Oh, yes, put, it, yeah. put it in the garden, it'll take Definitely over in the garden. And, and it'll self And you'll never get rid of them because yeah. they drop their, their seeds yeah. and they'll be up again every year. Yeah, they're actually really good. I have them sprawling around under my apple trees um, and they do, they set heaps of seed. They're mm. sort of like the size of a pea. Yes. Um, and, and they just come up. So I suspect I, if you've had them in a pot, you've probably been too kind to them. Could ah. be. Probably, yes. yes so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be madly feeding them or doing anything. No, they're they, a plant that thrive on neglect. Absolutely. Really? Mm. Yep. <laughs> I must instruct them that way. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So don't overwater them either. Ah, mm. uh, that could be the overwatering. Yes, uh, you're being yeah, too yeah. kind. You're being too kind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They do oh. grow in yeah dry corners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much. I'm going to take this uh, fungicide back to Bunnings and get a refund. Yeah, good, good on you. Good, good idea. on you. Thank you for your help. <laughs> okay. Bye. 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 Right, we've got uh, our good friend Gwen online to talk all about smoke water. Good morning, Gwen. <laughs> good morning, Pam. Good morning, everyone. Hi, Look, Gwen. I'm not sure I'll talk all about smoke water, but I've got a very quick tip for people. Okay. Um, it, you can buy smoke water in sort of commercial quantities. Um, <coughs> pardon me, and I'm sure Mr. Google knows all about that if you, you know, Google smoke water. But just for uh, home gardeners or if you're wanting to do a few seeds uh, and want to give uh, you know smoke water a try there's a range of seeds which is stocked by many many nurseries you can buy it at the botanic garden shops at melbourne and cranbourne karanga native nursery and virtually you know most of the seed um, suppliers have packets of seed put out by australian wildflower seeds in western australia and one of their packets is called seed starter germination booster now, it's just a little, I don't know how many grams are in it, five grams. You know, it's just a little packet and you'll pay $4 or thereabouts for it. But that is basically uh, smoke water treatment. So, you know, you can get that in, you know, most places that sell a decent range of seed packets. Mm. So so what do you do? Do you mix it with water or something, Gwen? Or? Oh, let me see what they suggest. Uh, how to use, sow the seeds as per the instructions, then add that's granules in the packet actually that right. have been impregnated with the the um, smoke. Yep. Uh, add granules to the surface of the potting mix and water in. There you Alternatively, go. Alternatively, mix the granules in hot water and soak the seed for two to three hours. 
um, for, uh, let me see, or soak overnight, you know. It, yep. And it's, um, it's got all that information on the packet. But it's a very easy way to have a go at smoke water, yeah. um, you know, if you want to. I mean, I know one person uh, years and years ago, he, used, he was a heavy smoker and he used to exhale through a drinking straw into a glass of water. <laughs> um, he's no longer with us, but hopefully his plants are doing very well. <laughs> Oh, they're all addicted. <laughs> there are various methods of using smoke um, treatment, but for, you know, our regular home gardener listeners, that's a very easy way to pick up a, a little tiny packet of smoke water. That yeah. sounds fantastic. Give yes. it a go. Excellent. Okay. okay. Thanks, Thanks Gwen. Gwen. Have fun. Bye. Oh, can you imagine just sitting there having a dart and you just blow it into a water? Into I think water all, the, all the bong smokers out there will be thinking, well, oh, I should not have thrown out that no, water. No, they shouldn't have. They... <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, I think we should move on with that. Let's move on. (laughs) Just a reminder, if you'd like to join us this morning, we uh, we still have a bit of time. If you want to jump on the phone, the number is 94190155. We have Evan Golke in the studio and also Chloe Foster this morning. We'd love to hear from you, 94190155. Another plant, Evan. Another plant? Okay. Well, I've got the trusty clivia or clivia as uh, some people call it. I like clivia because that's how I learnt it. But um, clivia just sounds a bit pompous to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, clivia. Give me a clivia. Yeah, give me a clivia. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> now, I've, I've only got lemon clivias at right. my place. I love the lemon clivias. Mm. So, again, for dry shade um, and the lemon colour... I think is better than the orange for dry shade because it brightens it the area. Bright, it lights it up, oh, yes. It's, it's just extraordinary. The orange tends to, along with the dark leaves, mm. tends to get lost a bit. It does, yeah, yep. whereas these just glow. So and if you've got a decent patch of it underneath mm. trees, yep. um, it, uh, it just lightens up the area mm. beautifully. Mm. Um, they grow exactly the same as your regular old clivia miniatas, um, same size, same vigour. Um, can propagate them in various ways. I've I'm, I've been propagating this one from some seed. Okay, um, really. Yeah, it takes a fair while, um, but I've got I've got half a dozen up, I suppose. Yeah. But it's just taking a, a, a long time. For I them mean, if you've to got come. a decent clump, it's easy enough just to divide, divide your clump them. Up. Yeah, but I had so many seed. I thought oh, I must. Oh, I must oh, have a go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. mine yeah. last year had seeds on them. But yeah. what did, how did you do it with the seeds? Um, so I just put it into. Um, into a seed raising mix, you put it uh, very much on the surface. Yep. The seed, um, you can cover it and soak it. Soak it okay. very, very so it's it's wet. Oh, take take the cover off. Yeah, so, so you, you clean you peel it. it. You clean the seeds yeah, out of the yeah, little yeah, fruit ball. That's right, right. Yeah, and you just do that thumb and forefinger um, just in some water, and it, they just sort of pop out. Yeah. And just clean them up a little bit. And then you just put them on the surface, but then you have to keep them wet, keep them moist. Mm. Um, so I've got an automatic uh, misting sort of bed now. So that's why I thought I'd give it a go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so pro. Makes life so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> so excellent. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and look, some came up quite quickly, some uh, at just just coming, but like clivias when you're growing the plant, they're very slow. Yes. So you know, you'll see the shoot come out and you think, are you going to grow now? <laughs> and, and they slowly, slowly, slowly eke their way up. But, yeah, so um, but dividing is the quick way. Yeah. Uh, mm. Absolutely, and, and they really don't miss a beat when you yeah. divide no. them. Um, 
But it's nice to grow things from seed as well. Oh, of course it's it is. It's just, it's just a bit of fun. And you get a lot yeah. more plants, obviously, without yes. destroying your existing How plump. true to type are they going to be? I think they'll be very true to type because I don't have any others. Okay. And I know my neighbours don't have any. Okay. And we're on a few acres. So, yep. you know, the chances of them coming across are pretty Fair unlikely. Enough. Yep. Um, but I know I don't know anyone along our strip that has any. But so, it's exciting when you grow things from um, seed because you don't quite know what you're going to get. Yeah, it's so, like you might get something that's a bit weird. Yeah. Or, like you'll probably get the same thing again. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. I hope I get the same thing, but I'll, I'll let you know in yeah. about five years' time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the, the lemon clivias are just a wonderful, wonderful plant. So going together with those other plants that I that I have shown today. And sarcococca is another one that I didn't bring in. Yes. Um, sarcococca is a little bit like ruscus in that it has a lovely light green leaf. Uh, can end up quite a large shrub, but you can keep it sort of clipped it grows a little bit like Daphne, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, and also has a very, very fragrant flower, um, but it's a very insignificant flower. Mm. Um, so Sarcococca would be another one of those plants that you could put with this sort of suite of, suite of plants. Sarcococca, do they grow, is it like the Ruscus in the middle of the, put the flower in the middle no, of the leaf? No, no, it's not. No, they else. sort of grow in the leaf axil. Yeah, right. Um, but they're very, they're a very small flower, mm. very, uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even really notice it, but you do sense it, you know, you can smell it as you yeah. come past. So. So it's a it's a wonderful plant, but it's again it's it's a very lightish green. It's a mid green, but the new foliage is very light, so it it, it does help to brighten up those areas. Yeah, mm. Mm. brilliant. Mm. We have got a board full of callers. We must get to. Uh, first up, we have Fermi out in Redsdale. Good morning, Fermi. Oh, good morning, Pam. Good morning, Evan and, and Chloe. Morning. morning. Um, yes, I wanted to ring up because uh, somebody even came on your show and said mentioned Fernie Creek uh, and the plant sales, but next weekend is the Floral Festival. All right. So um, I'm sorry, um, I think um, the uh, publicity person will have to be taken to task because they haven't sent <laughs> you the information. Um, I was going to say that to you, Fermi. I, I used to regularly <laughs> yes, get... Um, yes. Well, uh, see, I think uh, Rex used to send that sort of information he did, out. But and he always he, sent it to me, and now yeah. I don't get any info. Well, because he's become the president, so I think he's got oh, he's many other busy. duties. <laughs> So, um, I'll, um, but I'll just mention it's next weekend. Right. It's only $5. You don't have to pay $15 to get into the Fernie Creek show. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a bit and, of competition going here. Uh, yeah, but uh, it's, um, it should be quite a good show. It's been a, a good season with the, um, uh, the spring's been, been, been pretty good. So hopefully uh, there'll be a lot of material on the, the stalls and, uh, and a lot of material on the stands as well. Mm. So, um so yeah. is it running both days, Fermi? It is both days. So now the first day, because it is a flower show competition, the judging goes on till about 12 o'clock. The okay. gates open are usually around uh, 11. Yeah. Uh, so you can w- come in and walk around the garden, that sort of thing. The, the Fernie Creek Garden's really worthwhile uh, oh, walking around. Oh, it certainly is. It's gorgeous. And uh, especially the, the redeveloped um, uh, heather and... Um, um, uh, rock garden areas is uh, starting to look really good now. Great. And so you can come in, have a, a little walk, walk around. Um, they can get a cup of tea at the the at the tuck shop there, and uh, and then the gates open at twelve o'clock. Uh, okay. The doors to the hall open at twelve o'clock. Yep. And there are also, as somebody, as uh, Sue, I think mentioned before, that uh, there actually are um, some stalls outside the hall. So right. those are open, uh, you know, you can buy things uh, before the uh, the doors open. Yep. But that's only for Saturday. Some Sunday they, they're right open when the, 
the, the gates open. And, uh, and as I said, it's $5 entry. There's free parking inside the grounds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's called the Ferny Creek Horticultural Society. And I always thought it was in Ferny Creek, but it's actually listed as Callista. But it's at the end of Hilton Road. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, so, yeah, so the end times each day? <laughs> um, it's usually 4, 4.30. So okay. it just depends on when the crowds peter out, then yep. they'll close the gates. Yep, excellent. <laughs> okay, that's great. Okay. Yep, that's and um, um, now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to take your, your panel to task because Evan's been talking about, and um, Chloe, talking about the, the ruscous leaves. Mm-hmm. Now, they obviously have not listened to your show when Stephen's <laughs> yeah. been on. I know. They've yeah, flattened their not. pillows. They're yeah, not yeah. actually leaves. They're actually yeah, flattened stems ah. that mimic leaves. So that's why they look a little bit like a box leaf. And, uh, yeah, and that's why the flower appears in the middle of the leaf, because it's actually a stem. Okay. We need to go okay. back to school, Evan. So you, you need to <laughs> Thanks, go. You, no, you need to listen to 3CR when <laughs> other people are on, not just when you're on. <laughs> we do, we do. We must have slept in that day. No, 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 I, I, I don't think Stephen one. listens to the show when he's not here, especially when, especially when he's in Madagascar. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All right, see ya. Okay, thanks, Bernie. And, and just while we're at being wrong on things, yes. Pam. <laughs> I just had a text message. This is true confessions. <laughs> yeah. I had a text message from Roger Elliott. And yes. he said, Miss Chloe, Actinotus <laughs> is actually in the same family as Parsley in the APAC family. Now, I did say that before. You did. Now, let's go back through the like podcast parsley. later on. I said, oh, it looks like Parsley. <laughs> or so Carrot. Had, or Carrot. the same so I had a blonde Family. moment, and it is Sunday morning. So forgive me. It, the flannel flower is in the is in the parsley carrot family. Okay, as Thanks. opposed to asteraceae. As opposed to asteraceae, which I said. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear! All right. Okay. On that note, let's move on. <laughs> we have uh, Jan, who's in Mentone. Good morning, Jan. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for taking my call. Um, my question is: I have a, a house which faces east, uh, which uh, has windows right across the back, and a small back garden which gets very hot, lots of sun on the house. And I'm looking for a shade tree, but preferably deciduous and uh, preferably native and fast growing. I want everything, um, <laughs> and <laughs> but um, uh, not too big because it is a small garden. Deciduous and native. Yeah, mm, Yeah, yeah. The, the melia, the white melia, cedar, white cedar, cedar. Beautiful. Melia, is it? Yep. M e l i a. Okay. Um, as a z e r d z r a c h. Um, but if you've got pets, just make sure that you either prune or pick up the fruits when they drop because they can no, be poisonous uh, to animals. Right. No pets. Okay, that's right. Yeah, the mealia is deciduous. They wouldn't uh, hurt the possums, would they? No. Oh, God, the possums the possums, eat, the possums jump eat through the it. bark of mealias. <laughs> yeah. Like, they could kill it. And, and they can, actually. If you Rainbow really... lorikeets love them, too. Yeah. So okay. it'll bring your bird life in. Oh, they have beautiful. they have lovely flowers, and um, when they've got the fruits hanging on them, um, it's before the new leaves have come on. And so they look really, really attractive. They're used as a street tree in yep. many parts of Melbourne. How big would they be? How, how tall and it's how wide? Not, 
that big. No, um, they're not that big. And they're a bit... They're, six by six. They eight, are eight, they get bigger slower than that. growing. Yeah. I wouldn't call them a fast-growing <clears throat> tree. Okay. If you'd like to have a look at one, I know there's one in a public car park, so you know where Auburn Road and the Turak Road intersection is. Yes. Yep, so there's some car parks um, along there um, near the hockey. There's a big hockey field there. Okay. And there's a really nice one there that, that would be 20 years old or so. Um, so if you you won't miss it, it's it's in it's in one of the sort of median strips within the car park, um, and uh, it's a really beautiful specimen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I have a photo of it when it's in fruit. It it looks magnificent. Do they need much water? No, no, no. Very very tough tree. Yeah. Ah, okay. That sounds fantastic. Thanks very much for your help. That's okay. And for your show. It's okay. Great. Bye. Bye. Right, moving on, we have uh, Carol up in Callista. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, how are you, Pam? We're well, yes, thank you. I thought I'd ring in and see you've got some of the native gurus on. Um, I've been trying to propagate some natives and I took some cuttings about six weeks ago because my daughter's going to move and I'm starting to think I've done it too early, it's been too cold. Uh, um, what did you take? Oh, just a whole variety of different, just good garden natives that they had in their garden. And a lot of them, they're... Yeah, I, put, I tipped a lot out yesterday. I just thought they haven't done anything. And listening to Sue, um, and I used, um, you know, the um, hormone powder, which yep. I think now probably I shouldn't have done that. So I'm just wondering if you've got any tips. Did they did they die or did they, have they just not done anything? They, they've, they've just gone brown. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, did you put a cover over them when you did them? Well, or? I've got them in the glass house. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Okay. Which, which, I mean, it's sort of more like an alpine house. It's not, it's not warm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just thinking maybe I've done it too early. It's too cold. Uh, and I'm in the Dandenong, so it is pretty cool. Yeah. Now, yeah. I mean, it might have been a little bit cooler, but yeah. I mean, if you've got a glass house, you can kind of grow things throughout the year. Mm. Uh, it just depends what you did, though. It might have been a bit too early for some plants yeah. that you tried to do. Well, I've got a few things like corriers and that sort of thing, and they seem to be okay. Yeah, corriers will take a long time to put roots on. Yeah, they're a bit slower. The Banksias and grevilleas, they they yeah, I haven't had much success. Yeah, grevilleas a little bit more, um, yeah, in the warmer season yeah, probably. Right. Um, I, the other thing is sometimes hormone powders can burn native plants if mm. it's too strong or if you leave too much of the hormone powder on there. So um, don't be scared to be a little bit harsh with the cutting and really um, dip it in the hormone powder and then just, you know, brush, brush off or tap off the excess. You can be quite um, firm with it. Right. Well, just, just listening to Sue, I might have been better off not to use it at all. Yeah, you can. And, yeah, you can propagate plants without using mm. hormone powders. It just takes a little bit longer yeah. sometimes for yeah, it to well, strike. Yeah, well, even if it took longer and it actually worked, it might be better in the long run, mightn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. I know and, Sue has certainly been having a lot of success since she stopped using the yeah, um, hormone powder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, I just thought I'd ring and ask. And, I, and, and what about the mix? What sort of mix would you use? I've, I've, I just used... Um, Half um, potting mix and half vermiculite. Oh, it's probably a little bit too heavy, that mix. Okay. Um, vermiculite, yes. If you could do, you, you kind of want a free draining mix. So, and the, the potting mix would probably hold a bit too much water. Right. Um, so, vermiculite, we use it at the gardens, and I know Karanga does it, a mixture of perlite and vermiculite. Mm hmm. 
And if you can get hold of some perlite, use that. Or propagation, you can buy bags of propagation mix from um, nurseries. Right, okay. Um, or if you've got some gravel or sand lying around at mm. home, you could use that, some coarse river sand um, and some pea gravel and a bit of vermiculite. That would be that would be fabulous. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, it sounds like I've got a few things to work on. Yeah, you get creative too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that's great. All right, I'll, I'll keep trying. Yep. Yes, do okay. that. All right, thank you very much. No worries. Okay, okay. bye. Bye. Right, next up we have uh, Marilyn who's in Sunshine. Good morning, Marilyn. Hi, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, look, my plum tree, I've got heaps of plums on, but they're like a bunch of grapes. <laughs> so, I, you know, how thin do I thin them out? Ah. Yes, I don't thin out mine. No, it um, might... I leave them because the, the tree will probably thin them yeah, out themselves. Exactly. Um, yes, so a lot of them drop, will drop. Yeah, they'll drop mm. quite a few. But you can birds go... will thin them out. Too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you can thin them out if you like. Go go right. over it and and just you could take off half if you like. Yeah. Um, the the theory is, of course, that if you take more off, you get larger fruit, less yeah. of it but larger. Um, I don't know. I don't tend to thin things out, um, particularly oh, okay. with my apple trees. I I know you should by the rule books, but um, I just get smaller apples, but I get a lot more of them. Mm. Um, sometimes they're a bit jammed up. <laughs> um, and with with the plums, yeah, I, I just tend to leave them. You get okay. a lot. Of, you'll get a lot of drop anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the next month or so, probably. Yeah. As and, it warms up, and when the wet, yeah, when it warms up and yep. it dries out a bit, they'll mm. start. It'll start dropping naturally. Yeah. So um, it's up to you. You can do it yourself, or you can wait and let it. Let okay, it all right. I'll mm. experiment this year, and I won't thin. Yeah. Now, the other thing, I've got a bit of curly leaf on it. It's near a nectarine tree, which has got no curly leaf because I sprayed it. But the plum tree's got some on. Okay, I'm not really familiar with curly leaf on plum trees. It's not something. No, I, I've just been pulling the branches thought. off, the the leaves off. Is okay. That, yeah, well, yeah. that's all you can do at this stage because yeah. it's too late to spray anything. Too late to spray. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when I spray the nectarine, I have to spray the plum as well. well by maybe the way. that's very interesting. Yeah, you yeah. don't normally. Um, yeah, no, not normally no, susceptible. No, no. no. I, I don't think I'd be too concerned about it. It's, okay, you know, the fruit's still it, going to be fine. It won't yeah. be affected. Yeah. yeah. It, okay. Yeah, it really changes nectarine trees, though, doesn't it? Oh, I mean, gosh, yes. It yeah. really rules. Yeah, yeah. No, the nectarine tree's fine because mm. I did spray that. Yeah. But um, the plum tree's next to it, and that's got quite a bit on, so I'm just pulling the leaves off. Yeah, yeah that's that, fine. That, that's the go. That's okay, it. then. No worries. Thanks very much. Okay. okay bye. bye. Thank you. And uh, next we have John in Hampton. Good morning, John. Good morning. Thanks for your show, everybody. It's really good. Uh, mine's a pretty general question. Um, we've got some hostas, and we were one, they're growing quite big in pots. Um, we were wondering how you propagate them and when. You divide, divide them. them. You do winter. divide them. Is in winter, yeah. Divide them in winter. Very easy to, to, to divide. Oh, I see. Just the same as you would divide in a, a sort of a, another plant. With, yep. Um, they just pull bulb. apart. Mm. They, well, that's great. Yeah. I, thought, I suspected as much, but... Um, I thought I would just ring in to check before I attacked it mm. with a shovel. Wonderful, mm. wonderful group of plants. Thank you very much. Yeah. Mm. No worries. Okay, okay. bye. We used to grow, um, we had a garden we used to look after years ago um, that had Hostas Cyboldiana in it, quite a few. And the best time, Cyboldiana is a big leafed and it's a bluey grey oh. colour. <clears throat> it's a beautiful plant. Um, and after rain, it it holds water. 
you know, and it yeah. you know it, it sits on it in little convex balls. Oh, nice! Uh, and just sort of wobbles on it. Okay, it's, it's the most beautiful thing. The cuticle obviously just sort mm. of holds the water there and doesn't sort of run off it. Um, and yeah, it's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's a really, really great look. Yeah. Um, thing with hostas is snails. Yes, snails that's it. And how do you them. how do you keep the snails off? Well, the way I do snails is I buy um, large quantities of the iron based um, oh, yes. snail bait, and I broadcast my garden twice a year. And that's all I do. Really? Yeah. So you just you knock the numbers down. Yeah. Yeah. As a total, rather than just sort of concentrating on. Spots, mm-hmm. so I just do a very light broadcast because you don't use a lot of it, you use very little. Mm. Um, but that that works for me. Yep. Um, so that's enough with the hostas. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it works yeah. with the clivias. So, yeah. I mean, okay. They, these haven't been and always. They can be bit prone. There, yeah. Yeah, they can be very prone. You yeah. can lose all your flowers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and the fruit gets ruined. Yeah. yeah. I mean the the leaves. Yeah. Okay. Can I just say one thing? I'm doing sure. a little bit of research at the moment, and I just want to know, we've had all these people call in, and I want to know what stumped these people when they first started gardening. So you can, if if, I, if it's like, oh, you know, I planted a plant and I, I, put the, I put the pot in the hole. You know, I didn't take the plant out of the pot. You know, right. just little things like that. And I just want to know. So if I can put out my email address to people, sure, you can email in to me. I really am doing a bit of research at the moment. And I want to know what stumped people and what they didn't know when they first started gardening. Okay. So my email address is cf underscore one nine three nine at hotmail dot com. So I just you better say that again. <laughs> was that too quick? <laughs> that was too quick. Cf so Chloe Foster underscore one nine three nine nineteen thirty nine at hotmail dot com. You're not that old, 1939. Really? I, look, I've had a lot of Botox. <laughs> You've had a lot of work done. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of people are, have been asking me lately, you know, they've got a new garden and they want to know what to do. All my friends, you know, are buying houses and renting houses and they're like, oh, what's this green outside my house? I don't yes. know what to do okay. with it. Yeah, yeah. So, and I want to know li- listeners who are experienced gardeners generally. Yep, yep. Um, what, they, what, what they didn't know okay. when they first started. Mm. Excellent. Great question. Yeah. Now, just before we go, I will get you to remind listeners about uh, the big uh, seminar workshop coming up next Sunday. The the birds workshop that the friends coming up. um, I just had a note come from Roger Elliott again, the dear man. Um, (laughs) He's been busy. Keeping you on your toes. Keeps me on my toes. It's not just when I'm on radio. In between making smoke water out there (laughs) in Berry. I saw the smoke this morning. Yeah. Um, He he said that the breakfast section of the of the workshop is actually booked out. So okay. it's only the um, presentation section. Okay, good so to know. everything about Australian birds workshop next Sunday at the Cranbourne Gardens by the Cranbourne Friends. Yes. The presentation section. I'll give out the contact number again. That would be good. For anyone that has any questions, Amy Akers, 0423 513 281. Okay. If you have any questions or if you want a book. Yep. Yeah. So that, that, that will achieve everything. And just quickly, it starts? Starts at 10 o'clock. Yep, and runs through till? It runs through till 3. Okay, PM. excellent. With, with plenty of speakers, plenty of different topics. Yep. But all about birds. All about Australian, Australian birds. Australian birds. Yes. Yes. Wonderful. Okay, excellent. We have run out of time for yet another week. Um, a big thank you to uh, both Virginia and Robin who've been uh, handling all the calls this morning. A big thank you to the panel who've come in and, uh, 
You know, even if you did have to burn your toast, toast and leave <laughs> in such a hurry. Yes. Yeah. Whoops. We appreciate the families for letting you come. I'll <laughs> say that much. But, of course, uh, we will be back again at uh, 7.30 next week. So until then, bye for now.